Scene 24 Setting Golgotha Heli, Eli, Lema Sabachthani The thick blanket of darkness had been covering the earth for almost three hours now. Some thought I called for Elijah. The prophet was swept up to heaven on a chariot of fire. The people knew that Elijah was with God and wondered if I felt he would come and save me. These people did not know that when I called for Eli, it was for my father alone. While I physiologically endured this catastrophe, an ultimately terminal event, the worst part of all was the loneliness. No one was with me. One day, when you walk in your deep valley of loneliness, even in the valley of the shadow of death, or in the place no one in your life understands, it is then I will be with you. You may endure times of great loneliness to the point where your heart breaks. In those times, I will be with you. I am enduring this loneliness and separation from my father today so that I can be with you forever. My heart, at the point of breaking, held your heart in mine as I remained suspended in a position that would be difficult even for a contortionist. Now, in a state of hypoventilation, my blood oxygen level fell to the point of hypoxia, low blood oxygen. Because of my restricted respiratory movements, my blood carbon dioxide level began to rise. Hypercapnia stimulated my heartbeat faster in order to increase the oxygen flow to my blood. My lungs involuntarily struggled to breathe faster. I panted like a dog heaving in and out as fast as I could. I understood all the functions of a body. I had created the body, but this could not keep the agonizing affliction from reaching levels of insanity. When the body is suffering, the mind can play evil tricks on the soul. Questions can arise from physical suffering to flood the psyche with doubts, like in a tsunami where a series of gigantic waves caused by the displacement of a large volume of water hits the coast with devastating destruction. Physical pain wears down the brain and allows a tsunami of doubt to hit the human thoughts over and over and over. Once sane thoughts now begin to become corroded and confused. The mind's stability fatigued by pain deteriorates, drowning under the weight of the relentless waves of suffering. Normal rationale is swept away by each overwhelming wave. The foundations of one's beliefs and understanding are struck by these tidal waves of physical pain, until the very structure of one's faith in all that is good begins to crumble. When a person undergoes torture or great physical trauma, such as the dismemberment of the body, it is minuscule compared to the dismemberment of the mind. Piece by piece, the mind chafes apart what was integral and whole. Just as a village is destroyed by the wave, rational thoughts become a mass of debris bumping into each other, tangling around one another, 
some hiding in caves, to compartmentalize in order to make sense of the destruction. New thoughts emerge. Does God love me? Why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this pain, this suffering, this torture? How can anyone be so cruel? Why does God allow suffering? The mind cries out during distress with questions that cannot be answered in the finite walls of time and space. Torture is about reprogramming the victim to succumb to an alternative exegesis of the world, proffered by the abuser. It is an act of deep, indelible, traumatic indoctrination. Torture is a double-edged sword that can harm not only the victim but the perpetrators as well. Many people who torture others have various psychological deviations, and often they derive sadistic satisfaction from it. For a considerable degree, torture fulfills the emotional needs of the perpetrator when they willingly engage in these activities. They lack empathy, and their victims' agonized, painful reactions such as screaming and pleading give them a sense of authority and feelings of superiority. As I was being tortured through the crucifixion, I was aware of the evil one who was indeed the one torturing me. It was none other than Satan himself. This would be his last hurrah. He knew he would not triumph. Just as he tempted me in the Judean desert after my forty-day fast, he again tried to tempt me now through the jeers of the crowd led by the Sanhedrins as they howled in my darkest hour, If you are the Christ, the King of the Jews, save yourself! These cries again echoed Satan's words, as he had first tempted me in the wilderness. The first temptation was in reference to my body's base needs, because he knew I had not eaten or had drunk liquid for forty days, and so he attacked my hunger first. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Because the spirit is stronger during a fast, I was able to answer. Man shall not live by bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Luke chapter 4 verse 4 This word is the flaming double-edged sword that can burn up any dart the enemy can throw, but during physical suffering the mind has a harder time keeping the helmet of salvation in place. Next, he tempted my relationship with God, the Father. He took me to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I answered him, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, completely desperate, he took me to a high mountain and showed me all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. I commanded him to leave me. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord, your God, and serve him only. Luke chapter 8 verse 3
Satan left me at that point. The Lord sent angels to minister to me. How I wish those angels could minister to me now. But there is nothing but darkness and torture for me now, as I continued the arduous task of salvation. I did not relent to Satan's temptations in the wilderness, and I would not relent to his temptations now. Yet, even as my thoughts remained steady, as my body writhed in pain, my mind reeled with thoughts. Should I curse the Father? Should I save myself? What I believed in, is it true? Was it all true? I am sure the crowd loved this spectacle. My mind of a man battled thoughts, just as you battle thoughts when you are teetering on a tightrope between fear and faith, when Satan has worn you down with doubt and confusion and affliction. I recall the words of Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. My heart beat faster and faster as I developed tachycardia. My pulse rate was probably 220 beats per minute compared to a normal heart rate of 80 beats per minute. I had not eaten nor drunk anything for 24 hours. I was severely dehydrated. As it was prophesied, my throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. Those that hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. Psalm 69, verse 4 When they offered me wine to drink mixed with myrrh, I did not drink it, so as to fulfill my words at the Last Supper when I said to my disciples, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. How I am scorned, disgraced, shamed. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Psalm chapter 69, verses 20 to 21. My blood pressure dropped extremely low. Lack of oxygen to my brain was causing dizziness, fainting, nausea. I was now in first-degree shock, and my heart began to fail. My lungs were filling up with pulmonary edema, fluid accumulation in the air spaces and substance of my lungs. This will eventually lead to more respiratory distress and cardiac arrest due to hypoxia. To save my life at this point, I would have needed to be lifted off of this cross. My wounds sealed up, wrapped in warm blankets, and an intravenous infusion of blood and plasma. But my body would not be saved this day. My blood and water would be poured out for you, for I was thinking of you as I am thinking of you now, as I was suffocating and developing hemopericardium, where plasma and blood gathered in the space around my heart, called the pericardium, and before I would cry out for the last time, 
I thought of all the martyrs that would be tortured, burned at the stake, and hung on crosses. I thought of my beloved Peter, who would ask to be hung upside down on his cross, not even feel worthy to identify with me in his death. I thought of the precious ones whose blood would lay the foundations of the church. I thought of those who will have faith as they are stoned, sawn in two, tempted, and put to death with the sword. I thought of those who will go about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated, men and women of whom the world is not worthy, those who will wander in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground, not receiving their promise on earth, but looking for a better place, a heavenly home. I will not be ashamed to be called their God, for I have prepared a city for them. Hebrews chapter 11 They will not come to a mountain that can be touched and burned with fire. Those who come to me will come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. They will come to thousands upon thousands of angels who gather in joy. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 18 and 22 They will come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to me, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 23 to 24 Those who die for me, and those who live for me, will receive an unshakable kingdom which cannot be moved. It will not be without price. It will not be without my price that I pay today. And it will not be without the price of the blood of martyrs who carry my torch to offer freedom and justice to all those oppressed. As I am about to breathe my last breath, I am conscious of all those who will go after me in my name who will have the same questions that flooded my mind as I endured the cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every Christian martyr will endure similar thoughts as I have today. Those who die without receiving the promises those whom the world is not worthy of will know that the world was not worthy of their Messiah either. Thousands of Christians will die in the first century of the Church. Hundreds of thousands of martyrs will die throughout thousands of years after that and will continue to do so until I come again. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16. I have prayed for them, and for you, with the very incense of my body, 
I have offered up a sacrifice, so that when you are in your darkest moments, I am with you. I have paved a way for you. Where I go, you will be with me. For I am thinking of you. Remember, the earth is not your home. Your home is in me.